Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. What is going on, Alpha Males? Welcome to Alpha Male Podcast. The podcast where we talk about what it means to be a man the right way with God at the center Judeo-Christian values. Today I'm going to try a little bit different format as I am on a pretty substantial ruck, you know, hiking with a pack. However, I'm on the return journey back to the rendezvous point to meet my wife for the drop dead time and I should have enough time to get there. So I thought, why not record an episode, see how it goes. I got the mic attached to the backpack strap. Now, if you're wondering about what's in the pack, uh, more or less it's what's in the MoBob video, the mother of all bug out bags. I don't do a lot of YouTube, but some things are better visual. I did a video about it. You can check that out. Also, in addition to that, I got the fishing pole strapped on there and a 22 for obvious survival reasons. And obviously my EDC, fixed blade knife and go-to carry guns. Um... Uh, this one happens to be the M17, just a little bit lighter, and I'm covering a lot of ground. Uh, the M17 with the reload, tourniquet, the normal EDC stuff, plus the pack, plus the Rhodesian Ridgeback Alexander Hamilton, as I stumble there on a rock, with his pack. And uh, after we got done rucking yesterday, he was still doing some running. So I figured today I'd give him a little bit heavier pack and me a little bit lighter pack. Because uh, my back was a little bit sore yesterday, and I got some cramps. But uh, that's kind of kind of what I'm going to talk about today is the debrief. I made it a point instead of just going out, and the whole reason I went out, there was a couple of days of rain, and then had a break in the weather. It was going to be nice, and I was trying to do stuff for the podcast at home, and there were some major software issues, so I had to record on my phone anyway. So I thought, why not grab the pack? render unto Caesar whatever it costs to get a fishing license for a couple of days, and head out into the bush, into the wilderness. It's more of a backcountry. I wouldn't exactly call it wilderness, um, but backcountry because there are other fishermen and stuff that you see. Actually, I'm trying to think. I don't think I've seen any other fishermen on this trip, but I'd call it more of a backcountry fishing trip slash, you know, camping. And I made it a point to when I thought of something... I would write it down and take notes. And that's kind of what this episode is going to be. It's going to be an after-action report, even though I'm not done yet. There might be other stuff, but I'm rucking it back, and I've already been this way. Uh, I may have to pause it a couple times to climb over some trees and things like that. But <clears throat> the after-action report. So that's what we're going to get into on this episode. Getting out, getting a little wild, doing a backcountry survival fishing trip, and the debrief and lessons learned. It'll apply to a lot more than just fishing. Because although I planned it to be a fishing slash bug out camping trip, it turned out to be more of a bug out ruck march with a little bit of fishing. Because this terrain and the way I'm hiking on this pretty remote section of river, I can't just fish everywhere. There's only a few spots where it's actually feasible to get down to the water and fish. And did a lot more rucking and exploring than fishing. And that's just kind of me. I always kind of like to see what's around the next corner. So went quite a ways. And now I'm on the way back. So we'll get into that. Talk about some stuff, lessons learned. And it'll apply a lot more, I think, to bugging out than it will to a fishing trip. Okay, first thing, a couple of AAR points. It was kind of a... I've been thinking about doing this, but when the opportunity came and the software crashed, I figured, let's do it now. Um, called the wife, see if she could have a break. She also works from home. See if she could drop me off at a drop-off point. She said she had time. I said, boom, let's do it. I didn't do as much recon as I should have looking at a route, looking at better fishing spots. 
probably still would have still done it, but I would have been much more expecting a, you know, you know, bug out trip, you know, ruck march for two days with a little bit of fishing. That said, I uh, probably should have done a little bit more recon of the area. I do have a small map in my pocket, but doesn't really show contour and things where I can get down to the river and fish. Another thing I almost immediately wish that I had grabbed my binoculars. They were sitting right there on the dash. In fact, my wife was using them to look at stuff. I keep a set on the dash under the boonie hat. That way you can't see that there's binoculars on the dash and both of those things I use pretty frequently. I grabbed the boonie cap, which I'm really happy about. I'm wearing it right now. Dip it in water to cool me down a little bit. It's quite hot in the middle of the day in the sun. So I grabbed that, but I forgot the binos. Should have grabbed the binos almost immediately. I figured out and remembered that they would have came in handy. Uh, so I should have grabbed the binos, my smallest pair, for just route planning and seeing which way to go. Because several times, especially in the beginning, I was trying to decide which way to go. And I would start going one way and have to turn around and go another way. Not every time, but a lot of times the binoculars can help you with that. So a good thing to have in your bug out bag, you know, even if you're not planning on hunting or doing anything like that, a good set of binos for route planning, you know, even if you don't have to worry about like threat identification and things like that, just route planning. That's a big deal. And that would have saved me some time. I would have been further into the backcountry faster. So I wish I'd grab the binos. I did grab the boonie hat. So that is nice. Uh, the other big thing is, as this pack is weighing me down after the second day, rucking's a workout, right? Rucking is a workout, and it works different muscles. I I work out, as you guys don't know, except for Sabbath, pretty much two day, two times a day. And uh, by God's grace, I'm in really good shape. And I've been doing rucking here and there, especially to get ready for Alaska. But this is the first like multi-day ruck I've done in a while, and it's a workout. Um, it's it's pretty punishing on the body, right? So something to keep in mind. I am glad that I had been, had been keeping up on doing several smaller rucks so it wasn't a complete shock to my back and spine and hips and things like that. But uh, rucking's a real workout. So have a reality check if you just plan to grab your bag and just, you know, I'm never coming home. You know, how far can you ruck, you know, without injury and without going so far the first day that you are pretty much useless the second day because that can happen right and i think i didn't make this one of my points but thinking about it now i think i just knew that from times past last night i didn't go as far as i could go i stopped with enough time to set up a, a rough camp before it got completely dark to make sure i didn't set up in the wrong spot and i could have pushed farther and you know hiked until midnight or something like that but that was a good stopping point for that day so if you're talking about a multi-day ruck march bug out exercise, don't go so far the first day that you're useless the second day, right? If you're planning on going 12 miles a day, it's better to go 12 miles consecutive days than push it 25 miles the first day and then be out the second day because your body's not used to rucking. You got blisters, you got issues with your feet, whatever it is. So, you know, if you're talking about total distance covered, then keep in mind your capabilities. And especially with your feet, if your feet start to get tore up, then better to stop and rest a little bit and take care of your feet than to keep pushing and have major foot issues that could just hold you back for a while because you got bloody, nasty feet, or at worst, become infected and become a life-threatening issue. So that's a big deal. Pace yourself. Another one, I mentioned I was having some software issues, but I thought just on my phone I would buy a quick fishing license. And my wife and I have this saying, like, the monster, like the government monster or the technology monster or the software monster, it just gets you. And what, you know, getting that fishing license, I thought it was going to take a few minutes, ended up taking a long time, and I couldn't even get it done on my phone for a lot of reasons. So I had to go to an actual store and get a fishing license, which took a lot longer than I anticipated. Well, through that whole time, I wasn't really drinking water, which I should have been doing, right? I know better than that. But uh, as soon as my wife dropped me off, I was like, I'm dehydrated. That's a good thing to know that you're dehydrated. 
started drinking water pretty much right after that. Um, at least when I got to the river and I could get water out of the river. But there's a thing, and I may have mentioned it in the episode I did a while ago on desert survival. I was a desert warfare instructor. I spent a lot of my time Mojave Viper, urban warfare, desert you know, warfare instructor. Pound the water. Pound the water. That's something the Marines, you know, they kind of hammer into you. And so I know better, right? And there's a thing, a principle called Israeli overdrink. Drink a lot, especially right before an exercise. It's better to start off really hydrated than even a little bit dehydrated. I know better than that. So be hydrated before you start. That was an issue on my part. I should have been better hydrated. I should have stopped and drank some water. I had plenty of opportunity when I was going to the store, when I was getting a fishing license, when I was getting the pack ready. I was just, I got myself in such a hurry that I let myself focus on those things and forget a big thing, which is to hydrate. Uh, One thing I took a note of is when you drop your pack and you're in a hurry to do something else, don't just leave your pack scattered all over the place. Keep your pack squared away. Grab what you need out of it, and then at minimum, close everything up. Maybe not in the right order, but have everything attached and closed up so you have to grab it and go pretty quickly. Everything's there, right? You're not having to just grab your pack and a bunch of stuff flies everywhere if you're really in a hurry. For whatever reason, medical emergency, you know, we're talking a bug out scenario. At least you can grab your pack and go with it. So keep that pack squared away. That's something... And I'm not the best at keeping stuff squared away and neat and tidy, but I tried to make it a point to, you know, to do a little bit of improvement on this trip and keep the pack squared away. When I was done getting stuff out of it, I tried to keep it so I could grab it and go. So that's a kind of a big deal. Not so much on a fishing trip unless I'd have had some kind of medical emergency, but for an actual bug out scenario, that's pretty important. So, you know, you grab stuff out of your pack like chow to eat and... Snap your pack back up and eat your chow. That way, if you have to get an interrupted chow and leave again, you can just grab your pack and go. You're not trying to get everything together and waste that precious time. So keep that pack squared away. Another big thing for me is, if you know my regular EDC, I carry a pretty substantial size fixed blade knife day to day. Um, I also carry a little small Victorinox Classic. It's got a couple of things on there. It's a tiny blade. It's got a couple of other things. And I couldn't find it for whatever reason. Almost every day I have it in my pocket. And when I went to go, I couldn't find it. I didn't want to waste any more time. So I left without it. Several times on this trip, that would have came in really handy. Um, So that Vectornox Classic, especially the tweezers. Because I got into some pretty... I'm still in them. Um, (laughs) My... My shoes kind of look like uh, they're growing hair because they're filled full of goat heads. And that can be a big deal when those goat heads work their way into your shoe and start digging into your skin. And every once in a while, I'll stop and pull those out with my hands. But it, it's there's some that you can't grab with your fingers. Having those tweezers would have came in handy a lot on this trip. There's a little set of tweezers that goes into the Victorinox Classic. Those things such a small thing but would have really come in handy and saved me time and gotten those goat heads out before they started rubbing into my feet which has happened several times on this trip in fact I think eh, that's not so bad right now but I can see them on my shoe pretty soon I'll have to stop but that little Victorinox classic and especially those tweezers oh snake right in front of me what kind of snake are you so not the best snake expert, but it's a beautiful brown and blue. Um, doesn't look venomous. Um, doesn't look like a venomous snake, but a beautiful snake. I'm going to stop and uh, pause this and take a picture. Okay, got my picture. Walk well around that snake. I don't think it's a venomous snake, but I'm not going to go poking it with a stick. Um, come on, Ham. It's okay. Come, come. Back on the road again. Okay, so... The tweezers, right? Such a small thing. And that wasn't the only time that little Victorinox Classic would have came in handy. And they're like 20 bucks. So I wouldn't make it my everyday carry knife. Obviously not big enough for that, not beefy enough for that. But for small tasks, that little Victorinox Classic, 
ever since I started carrying it, I really like it. And this trip without it really showed me how much I value that little Victorinox Classic, especially the tweezers. When I was in the Southwest, it came in quite handy. As you might imagine, there's a lot of cactus there. And both myself and Alexander Hamilton would occasionally step the wrong way, move the wrong way, fall the wrong way into cactus. Those tweezers are really nice for that. And a lot of other things besides the tweezers, but especially those little tweezers. So if you don't want the Victorinox Classic and you don't have a little set of tweezers, they can come in handy for a lot of things, getting splinters out, getting cactus spikes out, getting goat heads out of your shoes, and a myriad of other things. So if you don't want the Victorinox Classic, just a small pair of cheap tweezers, you know, probably find them at a Dollar Tree, Dollar General, one of the dollar stores that don't tend to be a dollar anymore with inflation. But tweezers, really handy. The other big thing here is I brought a bigger knife than I normally EDC carry. I kind of have a wilderness EDC knife. And it's the Ontario, um, and it's a big knife. So let me pull that sucker out here. It's a, actually it's not an Ontario. It's an SE, SE4. It's a decent do-it-all knife, which is why I grabbed it. But I wish in hindsight, I would have went with a smaller knife because with lucky landslots you can get lucky just about anywhere dearly beloved we are gathered here today to has anyone seen the bride and groom sorry sorry we're here we were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time <gasps> no lucky land casino with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry in that case i pronounce you lucky Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. And here's a lesson I learned as I'm looking down at a bandaged up thumb. Sometimes the blade can be too big for what you're doing. And this is my fault because I know better. <laughs> and even when I was doing the task that I was doing carving something, um, I nicked my finger just slightly, just like barely enough to make it bleed. And I thought, you know, this knife is too big for this. And not long after thinking that, I really sliced into my thumb good. I mean, deep. It bled for a long time. I was kind of just hanging out, chilling, waiting for it to stop bleeding a lot longer than I wanted to. Um, so I think it's a little bit big for a do-it-all knife. If you want a big, beefy fixed-blade knife just for what you would use that for, it's a good knife. It's a good all-around knife, and it's not too big to carry in a pocket. That's why I have it. But looking back, I wish I'd have carried my go-to favorite EDC knife, the, the uh, White River Firecraft. It's just a little bit smaller, a little bit handier, and I don't think I would have cut myself trying to do a very small, fine task with such a giant, you know, Rambo-esque knife. You know, if it's probably a quarter inch thick, it's a beast, which for th some things you want. Um, but for most things, if I'd have had this, I should have had it on my pack and I should have had a regular, my regular go-to, which I like around a three, three and a half inch knife. Even when I was in Iraq, when I wasn't carrying the K-bar, I had a small fixed blade around that size. It's just a really good kind of do-it-all zone where it's not too big to do the small tasks and it's not too small that you can't pretty much handle anything with it whether that's boning out an elk or you know getting ready for camp it's a good size this one a little bit too big so it's a good knife but i shouldn't have grabbed it as my kind of go-to knife for this trip and my thumb shows the learning curve there another thing that might might anger some people here and I just thought about it for this trip. Um, batoming. I've tried to think about why you would ever baton. And so I have 
that was me, you know, clearing my nose there because I'm hiking for, for the great audio quality and the uh, stunning sound effects that you guys get. Only the best for you guys. <laughs> so, batoning, I've, I've been out in the wilderness so many times in so many different environments. Never once has it, has it appealed to me to baton wood. And it's always bantered about, uh, not always, but it's often bantered about on these bushcrafting things like batoning wood. You're nice, gotta be able to baton wood. Why? Why is my question. Like, I set up camp last night. I set up camp in a place where I knew I could gather wood for a fire. And you break branches. Like, you get, you find branches about the size that you need. Right? What are you doing sitting there batoning wood, wasting calories and time? And first of all, if you were doing that, you'd have to cut them into pretty nice round sections and then baton them to the size that you want instead of just going and finding a standing dead tree that was dry or, you know, piles of driftwood washed up on the side of a river or a dead, you know, juniper tree out in the desert, whatever it is. Like, wh when would you ever, when would I ever baton? And I got to thinking that, oh, a dead animal. Um, let me walk around that. Um, huh. Cody killed a deer. Something killed a deer, it looks like, um, quite a while ago. White bones. But anyway, keep on walking here. Um, it's okay. Come, come. Ham. Good boy. Good boy. Okay. Um, Batani. And it, it dawned on me that a lot of these people doing this are doing it because they have pre-cut wood. They're going bushcrafting in an area that's like more civilized. There's not just wood lying around everywhere. And they probably have the wood with them or they're cutting it especially for building a fire and having it set up and they're batoning these beautiful sections of wood into the right size kindling. Which if you're in an actual natural environment, why wouldn't you just go gather some dead yucca or dead cedar or Like what I did last night, finding some driftwood, and there was driftwood of all different sizes. If you're familiar with, you know, fairly large western rivers, they'll accumulate in certain places, pockets, and they'll just be piles of dead wood um, just laying there. We just pick the right size ones that you want. And here's the thing, if a piece of wood is too big, like a, a small log or a large branch is too big, just lay it in the fire, and then when it burns, push it farther in the fire. Or lay it so it's halfway, and then when it burns through the middle, you shove both ends in. I, except for if you're in like a well-manicured camping spot, you know, and you're like getting issued or buying this pre-cut wood. I can't say there's never a time you would baton, um, but for a fire, I, I, I fail to see the actual practicality of it in like an actual wilderness environment. Maybe like if you're in an urban environment and the only thing you can find to burn is like a two by four and you need to baton that to get kindling and that's the only kindling you can find. You can't find any old notebook paper or notebook or anything like that. Maybe, but I think it's way overhyped that you need a batoning knife. I, I've never ever needed one. I can't say that I never ever will because I can't see the future. But I think that's a way overblown thing that your knife needs to be able to do that. And maybe that just upset, you know, quite a few listeners out there that are in the bushcraft thing. But I'm just calling it like it is. Why am I wasting calories and time unless I'm just out there for leisure, like for leisure. And I have this beautiful firewood that I want to baton. But if my goal is to make a fire to eat the fish that I just caught, can't I just find something to burn that's the size that I need to burn? Um, yeah, so... There's that. Here's a thing I often get on my wife about is uh, when we go out and do stuff, like when we just go out, there's no telling where we're going to end up, especially with me. I'll drag her all kinds of places. I remember the first time that she, uh, she grew up in the city and she had been into the hiking thing, but she'd only ever been on like a trail. And when early on we were dating, it's like, hey, you want to go out, out into the wild and do some hiking? She's like, yeah. And she wore shorts and I didn't even pay attention to it because I guess I just kind of know better, and it didn't occur to me. And I turned around after a short while, and she was all tore up. Uh, we we're hiking the desert southwest, um, and she was just all tore up, and I felt horrible. Um, 
And I remembered that on this. Wear pants. Right? Wear pants. I don't care if it's hot. It's hot right now. Wear pants. Because your legs get tore up hiking cross country. If you're not like on a trail or on a road or you're not hiking like a well-maintained manicured thing. If you're doing like I'm doing now, pausing sometimes to, you know, climb over logs and timber that's falling down. Um, yeah, you want pants. You really do. Um, and another thing on the pants, if you want shorts, I can't believe I'm even saying this, but maybe people may not know this, but you know, capris like were fashionable, I don't know, maybe a decade ago for women. Well, back when I was young, you know, that was a common thing that you saw, especially with the old timers, when they would go do stuff on the shore, shore fishing. I grew up on a on a peninsula, a lot of fishing there. And you would just, you know, take off your shoes and roll your pants up to as high as you needed them. And then you have shorts. Ta-da! When I was a kid, it was like the cool thing for a while to have the shorts that turned into, I mean, the pants that turned into shorts. That's kind of cool, I guess, but you don't need that. You don't need a special zipper. Just roll up your pants. I did that today, uh, wading up a creek. Um... So wear pants, and if you need shorts, roll up your pants. Um, and that sounds like a simple thing, but if you get bloody, tore up legs going over all kinds of obstacles, like I'm looking at right now that I'm going to pause this for, because that's a pretty nasty tangle of fallen timber. But wear pants. Pants. Even if it's hot, you know, wear pants. So you men wouldn't know this unless I told you, but uh, lost the microphone. I'm not sure how much... I was talking when I lost the microphone, but I think I mentioned I had to climb over a tangle of fallen timber, and it was kind of a mix between rucking and an obstacle course. And I lost the microphone, and it is a legit gift from God that I found it. If you look in the, the tangle of dead limbs and stuff that I found it in, it's a blessing. I mean, every, every breath is a gift from God, but it's really a gift. I literally prayed. And then right shortly after that, found the microphone, which was in some pretty gnarly terrain. Also, in the process of that, looking for the mic, or between the last time I talked to you, um, scared up two really nice turkey hiking back, just on the side of the trail. Beautiful. Uh, they flew up pretty quick. Um, kind of startled the dog and I, obviously. But uh, not sure if they were Jake's or Tom's, but uh, just really cool to see and... and uh, I saw a lot of beautiful wildlife on this, which I'll probably get to when I get to the firearms portion, but just beautiful, beautiful country. Just figured I'd keep you honed in. I'm going to talk about a new thing since I don't know where I lost the microphone. The next thing I'm going to talk about is what a game changer. And I don't say that lightly, that cotton balls with Vaseline are. I mean, a game changer. Um, I recently did a talking about videos on youtube i didn't plan this but i made a short video on how to make fire starting material cheap and easy and i made a tin of it put it in an old mud water container and uh taped a lighter and a ferro rod to the side of it i took it out on this trip as part of the reason for this was testing my kit and getting the body ready for alaska um as i'm hiking up here on the northern idaho uh montana close to montana border trying to get ready for alaska and I brought that tin, and as I mentioned, it had been raining for like two days. It had rained off and on, and it rained quite a bit, so it wasn't exactly dry out. And hiked for the day, did some fishing, and it was already getting late. Now, I could probably have started a fire eventually with a ferro rod and doing all the tinder and stuff like that, but I literally grabbed one, one cotton ball with Vaseline. And granted, there's some skill in knowing how to set up a fire with your different size burning materials. But I literally put one cotton ball of Vaseline in this collection of random scattered driftwood that I piled up on a beach so as I wouldn't catch anything else on fire. And literally one cotton ball. And that thing was roaring and it kept going until I put it out to go to bed with just... Not even the best tinder, right? So if you want a cheap, easy, effective, we're talking a bag of cotton balls and a tub of Vaseline. And whatever container you want to put it in, 
even the Vaseline container, if you want to reuse that because it's plastic and waterproof, I would put some duct tape around it so it didn't pop open. But you could literally use the container it came in, right? And put some duct tape on it because duct tape is flammable anyway. Tape a lighter to it. Tape a ferro rod in case the lighter gets really wet. But just how cheap and effective that fire starting material is. I don't know why it took me so long to actually use that. I guess I was kind of stubborn and thought, oh, I'll just get a fire going with whatever I have. And there's a time and a place to know how to do that. But like last night where that wasn't the goal of the trip. The goal of the trip was, you know, rucking quite a ways, making a camp, fishing. It really was nice. And if I had been injured or really cold or whatever else, the ability to just throw one of those into um, a fairly well-constructed, you know, teepee to make a fire and just have that fire go and not even have to fiddle with stuff. Just what a game changer that is. Um, next one, the fishing. I rucked for quite a ways last night and I fished one spot, nothing. Um, and I fished another spot and I fished for a while and I kept changing different lures, trying different things. Um, I only brought a little small, one of those kind of very small compact tackle boxes because I had to ruck everything in, right? So I was initially planning that I would catch trout because it's a beautiful, clear river on the Idaho-Montana border. And what, what better place to fish for trout? I tried all kinds of things to catch trout and... One of the things I just kind of threw in there was a bright colored stick bait. And this really surprised me because before this, I fished with an original Rapala. Original Rapala, or Rapala, however you pronounce it. I'm not Scandinavian, I'm Italian. But that's kind of my go-to when I am on a new section of water. Because pretty much anything will hit an original Rapala. Bass will, you know, sunfish will, panfish, crappie, trout. You know, it'll, it'll catch all kinds of stuff. So I, that was my go-to, and I didn't catch anything. And I went through a bunch of other stuff, and I threw in this little bright-colored, like, green-blue, very small, actually made for crappie. Um, got it for back when I was fishing in Florida. Um, very small stick bait, and I threw that on there, and bam, right away had a fish on. He got off. I caught another one, and it was a smallmouth. Not at all was I would, what I was expecting to catch that night. Hooked a smallmouth kept him and uh and then hooked another one by this point it was pretty late and i thought okay perfect you know now i know what they're hitting on and now i know i can go after smallmouth so my goal wasn't to catch trout my goal was to catch fish and uh i thought perfect now there's a plan now i can go after these smallmouth now that i know what they're hitting <laughs> so when i got up today and tried the same lure same spots and i mean it was hot last night it was like hit after hit nothing nothing right so lesson learned and i know this i'm not it's not my first time fishing if the fish are hitting it hard i should have just kept fishing last night i should have just walked the bank you know even oh just tripped even if even if i didn't get a podcast out last night because I stopped partially to record a podcast after dark, stopped fishing because I still got a job to do, but I could have doubled up on that today. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. You know, if the fish are hitting and they're hitting like that, I should have kept fishing instead of giving up and been like, now I know what they're biting on. I'll fish for them tomorrow and keep a bunch for tomorrow. Um, that's what I should have done. What I did was, was, uh, was wait. I should have kept fishing. What I did was figured I would catch them all today. Well, fish with the same lure today, same spot, and walked quite a few different places on the river. Nothing, not a single strike. And I guess just the time of day. I guess now I know to, and this was right, right after sunset. So, and I was busy trying to get camp set up. So maybe I'll try again right before sunset to whatever time they stop biting. 
if they bite closer to home because this is quite the hike. But uh, anyway, actually, where I grew up and all the places I've been, that's the first smallmouth bass I've ever caught. I grew up fishing for largemouth. It's just too warm there to have smallmouth. And I've caught quite a few trout and other things. But honestly, I think that is my first smallmouth bass. And I wasn't expecting to catch smallmouth bass. It was kind of an afterthought that I threw that little lure in there. I thought it was going to be for really small trout if the trout that I were getting were really small and too small for even an original Rapala. But anyway, some lessons learned there on the fishing. Okay, and for camp, getting to camp, made a poncho hooch. That's pretty standard for me. I bring a poncho, I bring a poncho liner, obviously dress appropriately for the weather. And that's kind of hard on this trip. I guess that's making an excuse. I should have prepped better because it's pretty warm during the day, but it got cold last night. Um, got cold. Um, and I got cold and chilly. I still slept through the night, but um, one of the things I wish I'd have brought was a big pair of wool socks. Hopefully I remember when I go through this, when I get home, my after action report to pack a good set of wool socks. Now I do have a pair of neoprene booties that really come in handy. And usually those are warm enough, but I got cold last night. Part of the reason for that was how I set up my camp. I set up my camp so I would be laying slightly so that my head was above my feet. I like that. And I found a good spot with some good dry grass, and I felt perfect. I won't even have to collect bedding material, you know, for the keeping me warm at night. I can just lay on this dry grass. It'll be great. And it was great. That wasn't what got cold, but it was on such a slope that throughout the night I would slide down and slide out of the poncho liner and several times I woke up and my feet were freezing. Um, anyway, just um, I should have paid more attention to the camp. I, if I was gonna stay there another night, it was a good location. If I was gonna stay in that same location, I would have just reoriented the camp, the, you know, the poncho hooch so that, so that it was like in a saddle. So I wouldn't slide one way or the other throughout the night. Anyway, if you want a, you know, fun thing to do and you just want to like ease into the survival camping kind of thing, you might want to try that, especially this time of year, right? Just, just getting a poncho, a military poncho and a poncho liner and seeing all the different ways you can make shelter with that. There are so many different ways that you can set up a poncho. Um, you can make like a little teepee and put the, you know, poles together so they transverse going through the hood and make yourself a little teepee did that last time i set up a poncho hooch in oregon and uh this time there were two trees pretty close together so i hacked off a bunch of dead limbs and i strung some cordage between them and just made a more traditional looking tent and there's a myriad of other ways you can set up a poncho hooch so if you're looking like for a basic cheap way to do some more fun stuff outside instead of you know, always going and taking the dome tent, which I like those too, but those are pretty heavy. If you want a go-to minimalist option for a bug out bag or for just a backcountry trip, like this was a backcountry fishing trip, I don't need a giant tent, right? I'm not there sipping soy lattes, not that I would anyway, but you get the point, right? The point was to have a good enough shelter that's light and handy, and that poncho does that, and it's also a poncho. Now, caveat, if you're going to be in a wet environment, don't think the poncho is just good enough. You need rain pants, too, because all that water runs down the poncho and will soak your bottom of your pants and your boots. But it's a really good minimalist thing. And I think one of the best inventions the military ever came up with, um, you know, not the 5.56, five, not mustard gas, the poncho liner. The poncho liner is genius. I don't even know who came up with it. The military adopted it, whether they developed it or not. The poncho liner is awesome. Often referred to as a whoopee. Marines call it a poncho liner. Army calls it a whoopee. I served in both. Call it whichever one you want. But uh, the whoopee is awesome. So get yourself a poncho and a poncho liner and learn how to use it. Don't be the first time you set up a bivouac site in the middle of the night when it's dark. Be the first time you've ever made a shelter with a poncho. Um, but there's so much you can do with that piece of kit. Um, so poncho and a poncho liner. And a good, easy way, instead of trying to learn how to baton wood, which is, in my opinion, not super useful, go out and learn a bunch of different ways to make a poncho hooch. And whether it's for one person or two people, or 
if it's for a cold environment or a rather hot environment, different ways to set it up, setting it up with the wind, you know, just if that kind of thing appeals to you, that's a pretty affordable way to get into the survivaling, let's call it. Also on the setting up camp, right? Be flexible. Again, I didn't really know I had a rough idea. I was following this river and this river bank on a certain side of the river, but everything else is kind of a mystery and that's kind of the fun of it. Didn't really know what to expect. If you have to, if you live in a people hive and there's just, you go from one city to private land to another city and you don't have vast open spaces, you may not be able to do this, but if you can, be flexible with your camp. And the two things I looked for when I, well, a couple of things. One, when I set up camp next to a river, make sure you're not setting it up in a floodplain. Set it up well above where the flood line is. And that's pretty easy to determine unless it's like a, you know, catastrophic, you know, once in a millennia flood is that you'll see where all the driftwood, the high level of the driftwood. And that's pretty much a high level of where the water goes. Set up your camp above that. I guess that's, I shouldn't have thought of that as a given because maybe you don't know that if you're setting up camp near a river. But the other two things I looked for was easy wood, right? I, I don't want to have to spend two hours gathering up firewood. And easy to access water. Good, clean place to get water. And I was drinking out of the river. But still, I don't want to be so far away that every time I want water, I got to travel back and forth. That's something I learned just not even on this adventure, but living off-grid and semi-off-grid quite a bit with the wife is that water is a big deal. It's quite the chore. It's like a part-time job if you have to go down to a creek and haul up water. So close to the water, but not so close it's going to flood. And easy access to firewood. As, as I said, I set up pretty close to... Now, I didn't set up my hooch. I set up my hooch up higher up so that it wouldn't flood. But I went and hung out on the beach where there was a massive piles of driftwood. Really, really easy. Well, can you guys hear that? It's a beautiful little babbling brook here. And lush and green. Um, good boy, Ham. Good boy. And uh, anyway, just trying to stop and take in the beauty. But set it up high enough, the camp, where I'm sleeping so it won't flood. But I can easily walk down without any obstructions. Not like trying to climb over boulders. And get down to a beach where there's massive piles of driftwood already. But again, because I don't want to have to spend a bunch of time going around and gathering those things. So set up your camp. If you can be flexible with the resources, if you get to a spot and it looks like a great camp and you're about the time to camp, don't have, don't be so rigid as you're going to go to this exact spot. If you see a spot that you think might be better or really good, be flexible in your camp. And those are just two resources that apply to me. Maybe there are other resources that apply to you for your campsite. So be flexible, especially if you're out in the backcountry where you can literally pretty much camp anywhere. It's a giant swath of, of backcountry and wilderness from here to Montana um, through the bitter roots and it's just beautiful country. So be flexible with where you set up your camp. Okay, on the water thing, you know, worth their weight in gold. Those water purification tablets. Now I have a couple of different ways that I could get drinkable water. Honestly, these, especially the tributary creeks are so clean, I probably could just drink out of them. Um, and I'm not putting anywhere near the amount of water purification tablets and a lot of that that it calls for because the water is so clean already. But, uh, but those water purification tablets worth their weight in gold. In fact, I think the little glass bottle they come in probably weighs more than all the tablets. And uh, they're just really nice. And I do like the little small Sawyer Minis. Not a big fan of the Life Straw. I started out with those years ago. Moved to the Sawyer Mini. Also good. Also have one on the trip. If you're hoofing it, you should probably be drinking a lot of water. And it's just, and if you're trying to cover a lot of ground, it's really nice to be able to stop by a creek or the river, dip your bottle in, throw a water purification tablet or two in there, and then throw it on your pack so it shakes up, and then a couple of minutes later you pull it off and drink out of it. Worth their weight in gold. I mean, they're just, if you don't have those, if you want the filters, I, I would encourage you to have multiple ways to purify water because that's really important. Um, but those water purification tablets are not expensive. You know, if they cost way, way more, I would still buy them because they're that important. Uh, I just polished off one of those containers on this trip. And uh, who knows how long I'd had that thing. It started to get rust on the lid. So I'm glad I finished it. But 
broke into the second one. Um, but those things are just amazing. Like I like the filters too. And if I'm doing casual stuff and not, you know, rucking a pack, that's one thing where I can stop and take my time and drink out of a Creek. But if I'm trying to cover ground or you, if you're on an actual bug out one, you know, water sources can be targets. If there's only a few water sources around and there are predators around, it only makes sense to go to the water sources. I mean, that's one of the things that I do when I'm trying to kill animals. So if it's a dangerous situation, probably don't want to hang out more than you have to around the watering hole. So that's a better option than trying to kneel down and suck out of a stream the amount of water that you need. If you've ever done that, you know it can take quite a while to, let's say, drink a gallon of water out of one of those straws. And the Sawyer is nice because it has the little bag, but even that's not a ton of water. The water purification tablets, you literally could have a gallon jug, run down, throw it in the creek, throw whatever the appropriate number of water purification tablets in there is, and be gone. You, in fact, you could just grab the water and throw the purification tablets in when you got somewhere safe. So, so really those water purification tablets, kind of even more than the tweezers, just such a, a, a light thing, such an inexpensive thing, but really, really so valuable in the backcountry. So that's my thoughts on that. Here is another thing, expect to fall. Don't put yourself in a situation where like if you fall, you die, unless you have to, um, right? But like expect to fall. If you're fording a creek as I was doing this morning, expect to fall. And I did, I fell, you know, I'm walking over slippery rocks barefoot trying to ford a creek, I fell. You should expect to fall. You should not put yourself in such a precarious situation that if you fall, your life is in danger, right? Who knows how many times I've fallen crossing a creek, crawling over boulders, especially with a pack because it throws off your balance. Um, but I went down there to gather some clean water and find a good spot to do so. I took my pack off for that very reason. And sure enough, I fell. Expect to fall. It's a thing that happens, right? Um, so expect to fall. If you're trying to ford a creek or do something like that, expect to fall. Just, it's a thing that happens. Don't try to ford, unless, again, unless your life's on the line otherwise, don't try and ford such a raging river or creek that if you fall, you can't get back out again or you're going to die of hypothermia. Not really a concern now. It's a warm day. But you get what I'm saying. Expect to fall. And if it's, if it's a dangerous situation where if you fell, your life would be in peril, maybe think about finding another route. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, you may have noticed a change in the audio quality. I had to pause that. Alexander Hamilton was a little bit overworked. I was a little bit concerned for him. We did a pretty hefty march. I paused it. We had still had quite a while to go. And I had to, I thought that I had to. He probably wouldn't have died, but he might have had a heat stroke or something. He was dragging. And as I mentioned, the river, it's not like everywhere along that river you can just get down to the river. It's pretty treacherous. So I had to stop and find a place where we could get to the river to get him some water and cool him off, get into some shade. And when that was done, I had to hoof the remainder of that to the rendezvous point so my wife didn't worry, and we made it there on time. So I'm finishing up the rest of this here. A couple of, well, many other points. On the nutrition, as far as calories go, just an amazing, affordable source of calories. Peanuts. Just whole peanuts. Peanut butter as well if you want for a little treat, but just peanuts. Peanuts and almonds. That's primarily my go-to. It's what stays packed in the bug out bag. It was the primary thing that I ate on this trip. Peanuts. They're full of good healthy fats. 
They are full of protein. That's pretty much all that you need. Peanuts are a superfood. They are a blessing from God. They're very calorie dense, which is what you want in packable food. And I'm going to tell you to get the ones with salt. Now, if you live and primarily eat day-to-day like processed food and fast food, you might have too much salt in your diet. But that's almost certainly not going to be the case if you're hunting, fishing, and foraging. You're going to need more salt. You're going to need quite a bit of salt, especially if you're doing long ruck marches. And we'll get to that in the injuries section of this podcast. But peanuts are much more affordable, but almonds are also very, very good. Both of those store really easy. And here's the thing. If you're trying to cover lots of ground, you don't have to stop and do meal prep. You can literally just put them in your mouth and chew them. Salted peanuts, if you want to go, you know, in the Patreon chat, we often post and we're eating different kinds of things. One of the big things that we're all a fan of and I really like is the different flavors they have, like at, say, Winco or places like that. It's kind of one of the things we talk about on there. But the salt and vinegar almonds are just awesome. Also, the Everything Bagel Cashews, if you can find them, just amazing. But nuts are a really hearty, calorie-dense source of good calories, not garbage calories like Twinkies or empty calories, but really good, high-quality calories. And again, if you're packing them, that's a really good thing. Now, in the hunting, fishing, and foraging kind of lifestyle, the major thing that you're going to find that you're lacking is fat. You need you need protein and you need fat. Those are the essentials. Essential amino acids, essential fatty acids. There is no essential carbohydrate. I challenge you to find one. There is no essential sugar. In fact, look up a process called gluconucogenesis. Your body can actually make that stuff from protein. You don't actually need it. It's not essential, but you need fat and you need protein. Now, with uh, fishing and hunting, you can usually get plenty of protein. Even some plants like stinging nettle or some leafy greens will have some protein. Probably not enough. But you need protein, which is fairly easy to get, but most game animals are pretty lean. With some exceptions like salmon and fowl like ducks and geese and things like that. But fats are going to be really, really... Fats are really, really important. And dispel that whole myth about fats making you fat. Too many calories make you fat. But the peanuts and the almonds, they have protein. They have fat. They last a long time. They don't need any prep. They're just an awesome choice. Now, getting to the injuries... Uh, three, I guess. One, I cut my finger pretty hard making a spoon. <laughs> Remember how I mentioned that knife was too big for what I was trying to do? And I knew that, and I should have just used something else. Well, I had been rucking pretty hard, and I decided to take a break, and the fish weren't biting. So, I love my wife. She has been looking at these like fancy wooden spoons, like different farmer's market craft shows, and I found some nice pieces of driftwood. And I thought, hey, I've never made a spoon before, but why don't I try and make a spoon now and give it to my wife? Wouldn't that be nice? And so I was working on it, and I sliced my finger up pretty good, trying to do work with a much bigger knife than I should have been, going back to that lesson on the knife. Now, it wasn't an egregious injury. It just bled like a stuck pig. And You know, several times throughout the day I will be doing something and putting pressure on it and it will bust open again, which is a pain in the butt. Still did quite a bit of work on the spoon. I don't know if it's finished. It's quite rustic. (laughs) But it will certainly get peanut butter from the jar to my face. So check that box. However, you know, I usually just eat my peanut butter with a stick when I'm out in the wild. Like that's how I ate it the night before. That was my special treat for the evening. I packed a jar of peanut butter with... um, One of the things I like to do is take some protein to up the protein to fat ratio and I'll dump some protein powder in the peanut butter and mix it up. Great source of really good calories. Anyway, I got got two pieces of driftwood to make different implements for my wife and I because she's really been eyeballing the nice wooden spoons. And anybody can just go buy a spoon, a wooden spoon, but you know, I thought making her one on the trip to let her know I was thinking about her would be sweet. Also picked her some wild edibles. 
on the way back. I took note of them where they were on the way in and picked some on the way back. But anyway, carving that spoon cut my thumb up pretty bad. Again, that's my fault. I knew that knife was too big for that task and I should have used something else. The next injury, I don't know if I had a splinter in my big toe before I left and I just didn't know it. By God's grace, I stay pretty active and feet are pretty tough. Even on this two-day ruck march, by God's grace, no hot spots, no blisters, but I was having some pain in my big toe. And I thought maybe I am getting a blister hot spot. So I took my shoes off and there was something stuck in my big toe. Again, I don't know if it was that way before I left or if some, you know, piece of wood splinter something fell down into my shoe and then I stepped on it and got shoved into my toe. But I sat down by a nice cool creek, dug that foreign body out. Again, those tweezers would have been nice, but not necessary. I got it out, dipped my feet in that cool creek to kind of ease the uh, swelling a little bit, let them dry off in the sun to kill bacteria and stuff. That's a good thing to do anyway. And then carried on with the journey. And I got back, I just checked on it, looks fine. So that was the other injury. And the third injury, the first night, I had some wicked cramps when I was trying to go to bed in the poncho hooch the point where I had to change positions if you ever get like the Charlie horses in your legs and I knew why as soon as I started to get them I knew why because I didn't need enough salt getting back to the salt and that's a rookie move even as part of my EDC for the trip I used to do this a lot more when I was in the desert southwest and it was really hot and I sweat a lot I remembered that and I threw in one of those ramen packets the chicken ramen packets they're mostly salt. There's a little bit of flavoring there, but they're mostly just a small salt packet. You just carry small salt packets, but those tend to be a little bit more robust so they don't bust open in your pocket. And I don't know what ramen noodles are with inflation, but they're not that expensive. I would call ramen noodles garbage calories. Give those to the dog, put some oil on them so he'll eat them or whatever. I take the ramen noodle packets. It's good to have those on hand. And I have one, but I was so focused on getting there, getting there covering ground when I stopped I still had dry firing to do for the day I still had podcasting to get done and I neglected the salt intake and I paid for it that night with some pretty wicked leg cramps and I knew when it was hitting you know pretty legit imbalance in the salt ratio again there is no essential sugar you don't need Gatorade but you do need salt salt is important Either just regular sodium chloride or sodium bicarbonate. Either one will work. But salt, your body needs it. But that, uh, if you want to mix a little bit of salt, a little bit of baking soda, which is sodium bicarbonate, put it in a little bit of water, that can go a long way to relieve those cramps. But those are the injuries. The next part I want to talk about are things that I'll probably get in lieu of this trip. One, if I can't find that little Victorinox Classic that I usually keep as part of my EDC attached to a mini Sharpie, if I can't find that somewhere, just before this trip I was out doing some range training, doing some filming for the patrons to put on Patreon, and maybe I'll put one of those somewhere else or something, I don't know. But I remember having it there, and I haven't seen it since, so if I can't find that, I'm going to replace it either with a Victorinox Classic or see if there's another very small Swiss Army knife that I can replace it with. I've tried the little small multi-tools. I just, there's a point to where I think you can have too much in your EDC and that little Victorinox is really handy. So if I can't find that, I'll replace it. That big knife, I'll keep it. I just probably won't switch it out for the EDC when I go into the wilderness. Stick with my normal, one of my normal go-to EDC fixed blades. That wouldn't be a bad thing to have on a pack, but that thing is so big and heavy I think it might weigh as much or more than my little hatchet, which is what I took off my pack when I left. Because, you know, for the nature of the trip, generally I have a little hawk that stays attached to the pack. And I will probably replace, hopefully I remember to replace the water purification tablets because I went through one, so I should replace that one, even though I have one still in there. Since I use one up, I should replace one. And that's it, really. Obviously, I'll buy other things in life, but as far as from that trip, and the big thing I want you to take away is the things that went wrong, the things that could have been improved generally aren't gear problems. They're generally 
learning curve problems or reminders. And the way you get to know that is use your stuff, right? There's nothing wrong with that knife, but not the best all-around knife for any, I'm going to say for me, it's a fine knife. You need to get out there and test your kit. If you think you got to have this big giant fixed blade knife to go shoving through the cyborg AI zombie velociraptors, whatever your version of the apocalypse is, that'd be a pretty good sci-fi movie maybe. I don't know. I don't have a TV. But you're much more likely if you get out there and actually do the survivaling to figure out a much more manageable knife that you might find more useful. Or maybe you're the opposite. Maybe you find out that you really like a really big fixed blade knife. But you're going to find that out by doing it. Much like many other things, rucking, and I know I call it rucking, that's an army thing. I served in the army and the marines, and the marines we called it humping. I don't refer to it on the show as humping for obvious reasons. If I just say it candidly, you might get the wrong impression. And like to keep this show clean. But rucking, you understand what I'm talking about. That's a, that's a skill, right? It's a heavy workout. It's a heavy burden. To be honest, it's quite arduous and not my favorite thing to do. But it's a skill. And like the little small muscles in your back and things, that's the kind of stuff you have to maintain. So if you're into the survival bug out kind of thing, do you actually get out there and practice? Do you actually put the ruck on and move with it? Do you actually do things? Because you'll figure out this pack's not right for me. This pack really rubs. Or you're like, I thought I could ruck with an 80 pound ruck, but it turns out that's pretty miserable. And firepower versus mobility in that equation is way off. Like you're going to do that. You're going to figure that out by doing it. You may find out some gear tweaks, but a lot of the stuff you're going to find out just as skills and lessons learned. It's important. If you're actually serious about it, you're not just buying stuff on Amazon because you like cool survival stuff on Amazon. If you're actually serious about it, get out and use the kit. I mentioned the poncho hooch thing. That's a really good place to start. It's okay to be uncomfortable. It's okay to be really hot. It's okay to be really cold. I think that's one of the marks of, you know, somebody that's actually into survival and survivaling. Is that they're comfortable being uncomfortable. Endurance is a common trait in warriors and alpha males to withstand hardship. Now this episode has gone on a lot longer than I thought that it would. The next big chunk is firearms for this firearms for this kind of long arduous bug out scenario my lessons learned in this trip and how it ties into many other trips like this that I've taken so the firearms part the hunting the fishing and the foraging for calories for survival and how that all plays in did quite a bit of foraging on this trip again this this uh found a lot of really good plants anyway um this i'm gonna save that for the patrons and i don't normally do like the fear of missing out thing here but really if you like the content you should thank the patrons i'm very thankful to the patrons they're the reason that you get so much content so i think it only fair to save that portion for them There is two episodes, I think one's going to be just for the patrons on the hunting, fishing, foraging, and the different firearms and ammunition choices that go into that. Talk about many of the food sources encountered on this trip and how they play in together. And I think I'll do another one on a fairly unique idea that's not often talked about for survival guns, and that one will be out for the general public what I would consider a kind of forgotten but practical use for a firearm in these kind of scenarios. But kind of the bug out gun concept as a whole for this kind of exercise. Kind of a long movement. A long movement to contact, a long movement to break contact, a long arduous bug out. And the best guns for that, I'm going to save that and those thoughts and all the lessons learned for the patrons. 
And again, if you, you want that, become a patron. If you have listened for any length of time, you appreciate the content, you value the content, you learned something here in this podcast that was worth the fraction of the cost of one box of ammo or the fraction of a fancy city coffee or the fraction of probably the next shiny thing you're going to buy on Amazon. This knowledge was worth any of that to you. Hopefully you'll show your appreciation by becoming a patron. I don't apologize for that. You shall not muzzle the ox while it treads out the grain and a laborer is worthy of his wages. So please consider becoming a patron. You do get some pretty cool insider content. Also, what I will do for you, if you go check out the Patreon page, most of that stuff is just for patrons. Some of that stuff, you go to the Patreon page and you don't have to be a patron to see it. I will post some pictures. You may have to scroll down a little bit, but again, most of that stuff is just going to be for patrons. I will post some pictures on this trip. So if you want to see some pretty cool animal pictures, what the poncho hooch looked like on this trip, if you want to see perhaps the world's most homely looking spoon, wooden spoon carved with a knife, pocket knife. And I know, I know you're just itching to see that ugly spoon. So go over on Patreon and check those pictures out. Anyway, a lot of tips in this episode. So no tactical tip today, but the tactical verse of the day. Psalm 18. It is God who arms me with strength and makes my way perfect. You make my feet like the feet of a deer. And set me on high places. You teach my hands to make war. So that my arms can bend a bow of bronze. Thanks for listening. Have a blessed day.